All right, folks, welcome back to this podcast, One Man, One Tree and a Hill. I'm your host, Jared Waters, and right now we're on episode 96, but part two. Part two with our dear friend Ellen Ravenel. Part one, she talked about embracing motherhood and embracing her 30s and growing in life. And now I want you to check out part two and enjoy. I think I get a reminder a lot of times why we aren't together. And it's actually... um, very eye-opening because there's things about him that I never noticed and um Kendall who has been around us the most because when she comes to visit she she stays with us so obviously you know you're in the house you're sitting with us and she would say like you know that it's not a romantic relationship it's more of just like you guys are best friends kind of thing and he's very depressed and he's not aware of it and he has his back pain I'm, i mean i don't know what that's like but i know like any if you deal with any chronic pain for a long period of time that's going to deal with your psyche too and he doesn't believe that one has to do with the other and um so it's kind of it's hard to have a conversation with him about like getting out of the house and doing stuff and i know your back hurts but you need to you know, just maintain and be healthy and stuff like that. And he doesn't do anything different. He'll do the same thing over and over again, over and over and over again. So now, and after I left, I I wanted to see, I think it just showed me like I was holding a broken man together for a really long time. And um, I was broken myself. So I snapped because I couldn't, I can't hold your pain in mind it's too much because now I have the baby and we both can't be living in this broken state of mind, trying to raise this young woman into this world now. Like how is that's not eventually we all grow up and we see our parents for, you know, adults and who just people and not just mom as dad. We can, I can look at my parents and like, okay, mom and Isaiah and, and I don't blame them for certain things because then we realize that whatever their upbringing and what they've learned is kind of just passed on, passed on, passed on. And I'm still in the process of, of, of forgiving myself for, because sometimes I go through this, like, well, why did you, like, why did you stay so long if you didn't know? But, you know, everything kind of has a lesson to it. So I think that, leaving him I was hoping that that would happen and that he was going to kind of wake up and and see all these things that wasn't it is important to him that he doesn't have anymore but it more was he just accepts it for what it is and just like okay and I think he had this idea in his head that I was just going to come back and I just needed a break so when I got the apartment I stayed with my mom for almost a year when I got the apartment it was really like kind of shocking to him and he started to to get to be nice and wanting to talk or then he would be mean and he kind of went through like a roller coaster of emotions where he didn't know how to deal with me and then um or just wanted to talk about the baby but then sometimes he wanted to be friends and it was like it was hard really hard for him 
but he never expressed it. It was just, I got the reactions, but I was already at the point where I understood that he needed to go through it too. And he, and this is how he was dealing with the breakup as well as not seeing his daughter every day, because even though he wasn't hands-on, you get to at least come home to your child, you know, and get to see her. That's a hard thing I can, like, I'm very sympathetic about for both of them. And, you know, I try to push for that time, but honestly, I, I go there now and he doesn't do anything that like everything that I was doing, whether it was cleaning the house or his doctor's appointments and stuff like that. Like I was just enabling him not dealing with anything. Are you scared to leave him alone by himself? mm Mm-hmm. Because that's a long time. 10 years to love somebody then... Mm-hmm. Now you have now the keys are off. Yeah, you'll find yourself like, did you go to your doctor? Did you do this? Do you do this? Are you completely? Mm-hmm. You still do that? Are you? Like- I did. I've recently, I would say the the last couple of months really had to like stop because I I it was hurting me because it mm. and sometimes he would be thankful and then sometimes he'd be like why do you fuck like he would snap and like we're not even together anymore so why do you care and so it, it, it would I I didn't know which one I was gonna get and he didn't know how to take it either he'd be like it's not your problem so why does it matter and then the it, it kind of turned our co-parenting upside down because then he started to I don't know if the responsibility part of hands-on being a father, he doesn't think is so important right now at her age. So that him, he gets her two days, two, three days out the week and never like a full day because he'll say like his back is hurting or he has to work or something. There's always a reason. And she's noticing that now and I'm, I'm I have to tell myself because I would be like hey you want me to drop her off for like an hour or if he didn't want to drive I'd be like okay well I'll drop I'll bring her to you or something like that like I was overextending myself and then I was forcing and a lot of my single father friends were like you cannot make this man want to be a dad more than he wants to be like you can't like he they're like i want to see my kid all the time if my baby mom called me and was like hey i had to go get my nails done please go get your nails done for five days like you know like i if if i can get an hour 10 minutes 15 minutes like i don't you you give him his time and i started to realized that I was still keeping up with his, like, I'm, I'm still taking this, like, I'm still taking care of him. Like you said, are you going to the doctor's office and do you have physical therapy? Oh, if you, if you had too much, if you had an insult today, then don't worry about it. I'll keep her. Like, if you don't want to, it's fine. Like, I don't, I don't mind. Like everything or I'll bring her to you. Like I would just, everything was overextended. Um, I kept it on my insurance the year after we broke up as well because his back and I was, you know, I don't want you to, not go to your doctor's appointments because I know you won't go if you don't have insurance. I know you're not going to go out and get insurance by yourself, but again, it's like these are his. He's a he's a, an adult. He's a big boy. He can he can go do this stuff for himself. And I had to kind of 
force myself to stop because that was just stressing my stressing me out and making me lose patience with the mirror. When when you leave, right? You let stand at your mom's. Does your dad say anything to you? Does your dad like say anything during this breakup? Because he's seen his daughter hurt a little bit. Does he really say like you know? Does he really be like he's seventy now? He's in his late sixties. He sees his daughter going through some things that he probably went through. What does he say? Does he really step in and be like, "Yeah," say something? He um, probably more in tune with his emotions too now. He, I was gonna say it's very interesting because he's so much more aware of things and and like family dynamics and stuff like that. And one that relationship advice he always gave me was, "Do not settle. Never settle. Never settle. Never settle." And he was like, "So the first thing he was like." do you feel like you've settled? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I know. And he goes, it's okay. You make mistakes. And he goes, just as long as you keep it about mirror with him, he said, but you need to try to be understanding of a man's emotions and try to, try to, from a man's perspective, give me that. And I think that's why I wasn't so hard or as abrasive with Willie as I think I would have been during the, getting over the breakup and having to pass over Mira and stuff like that. And my dad was more of like, why do you think you stayed so long? And that opened up the door to me even talking to him about getting raped or about me being raped and like me cutting and things that me and my dad had never spoke about. How does he and, take that? Does he, is he willing to like listen to his daughter now? Or he probably feels like he didn't protect you. How does that he it's very interesting because as i started saying it he goes are you talking is this in virginia and he's like and i was out of he's like i was out, he was good i was on tdy he's like i i've always had some kind of feeling and and i said there you go and he was like what and i was like you never asked and he i remember i wrote i always wrote like i say and i never tear any pages out i wrote about that first experience and I tore it out and remember back in the day when we would send notes to each other and fold them in cute little squares you get something Mm -hmm. and I did that and it must have fell out of my pocket or book bag or whatever and he found it and he read it and I I told him I I made it up or it was just something I wrote or it wasn't I wasn't it that didn't happen to me and it was kind of like end of conversation and so that came back up and he was like, I remember that very vividly. And he was like, I remember finding that letter and reading it. And you, he said, you were completely shut down. You didn't want to talk about it. So it's crazy how I remember something to me. It was, I, I thought he just like asked me one question, how I remembered it or how I perceived that moment was that he just asked me, he read it, asked me about it. And I was like, mm, I don't, you know, it's not me, nothing. And he was like, you didn't move. You didn't blink. You didn't. Hmm. look at me you didn't you did not want to talk about it you were just like no not me and he was like I think maybe three words came out of your mouth you were just frozen and and I I told him I said I have like a a mixed feeling about that because I I feel like you could have like I would dug a little bit more or you know like give give me some time but then like let's work on that so that trauma doesn't, you don't carry that trauma with you into your adulthood because that happened. He read that letter. I, that was my senior year of high school. So um, 
I, I think that was just another, another stamp for me of like, okay, see, so you talked about it, you got it out and you like, you, you kind of move on now. So then that's where my growth was. At least I talked about it. Like I said it out loud. Right. So that it, it didn't matter if it came out angry. It didn't, if I was just sad and talked about it, like it didn't really matter, but that, that me and Willie's breakup allowed me to tell my dad things that he was like, he didn't know Willie had ever been to jail or even been arrested. He didn't know any of these things. And he was, because my sisters went through that, he was like, I could see why you didn't want to tell me and your mom because we were so worried about your sisters and you grew up seeing your sisters kind of struggle and go through that. I'm sure you feel ashamed that you kind of fell into their same steps of like, you know, I was like, yeah, dad, you have three daughters and you haven't walked one down the aisle and we're all past the age of, of your oldest is 41 and now your baby is 30 and you haven't walked one down the aisle. So he's aware, but I'm also like your and mom's relationship has a lot to do with that because we all had community issues. I remember, I remember our, until I was 20, I said, I never wanted to get married. I don't want to have to pay to break up with anybody. Like I was very set on that because. Was, how does he take this? How does he, is he, is he drawn back a little bit? Is he, he still kind of withdraws with that. So my dad will be more like, well, we don't have a horrible relationship. I'm like, yeah, we, he's in Hawaii. She's here and they live separate. I'm like, if you're, you guys are a partnership when it comes to, I guess, life, but it's more about, you just, you just don't want to get a divorce because it's comfort. Mm. My mom has asked before. It's not like she hasn't asked and he says no. So, um, for him, he's like, but your mom has a good life because, and this is where I think the, the South Carolina poor coming is like, but you think you, me and your mom have a horrible relationship. She has everything she wants. If she, you know, she can always get, if she wants something like she, she gets it. Like she's comfortable and she's, she's happy. She's with you guys. And so he's very like, that is both of them are so detached. And I feel like it's so far past that point of this is just our relationship that they can't, they don't see any any wrong in it my mom will literally have panic attacks if she knows that he's flying into town but she just thinks that she's uh having tight chest or i drank too much coffee today like it's no connection to emotion or i'm like you you have to be like i i have to i had to come to terms with i cannot continue to put my personal feelings on them about how they feel about me because they're, they've never evolved because like you said, I'm the first millennial technically of the family and my way of thinking is very out of the box for them. But as you evolved, right, it does affect the whole family. You're more mm -hmm. vocal now. How have your sisters reacted to this involvement? Because they're probably thinking like, oh, I've never noticed this. And you got to think about it. That's part where you guys are. Florida people are completely different people. Yeah, um, Your yes. sisters are Florida girls, like true and true. Don't matter how long they've been there. They're Florida, Florida girls. These are Florida girls. 
these girls, you know, will swing on you. This capable, it's probably a 50, will still swing on you. Uh, yes, I almost had to get in a, a six-year-old lady almost followed me home yesterday, and she was like straight cursing me out like she was eighteen, and I was taken back like I can I'm not getting out and fighting you well, like you out there. Um, are you following? You follow me home like if I have my child with me like beyond, and I was like, you're lucky I'm me. You could have followed a crazy person. But <laughs> the patterns of your sister relationship real fast. Your sister's your sister's baby father. Uh, how much is he different than your dad? Complete opposite. And what about your middle sisters? Complete opposite. Complete opposite. And what about yours? Mixed. Mixed. Right? So I have what a mixture you... of what my sisters are, and he's half my dad, too. Mm. So it seems like they were trying to get away so far away from your father that they got... They got... They, the... got, the abs- they got deadbeats. Yeah. They got deadbeats, and so I just, I just got a, I don't want to say deadbeat. Um, yeah, I just tries. got. He tries. He's just, he's just young, not young. He, he doesn't know. Doesn't he doesn't know. know. And 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 all his friends, all they, he doesn't have one. The one married couple friend that he has, that he's really close to, they don't have kids. And he's a reformed goon. You know. Yes. What I mean? Exactly. And so they all got baby mamas. And right. all they all they tell them is that you lucky, bro. Like that's that's you know, you lucky bro. She said you had a baby, bro. You know, I gotta I gotta I gotta slide over there. I gotta be banging around baby mama's door. I gotta fight with this girl. Like it's always the same thing. So he's they, he thinks he just has a great When you and your sisters talk, when you and your sisters talk, do is there is there any type of healing going on? No. And no, that, that, they understand no. that you feel like they weren't there for you a little bit? Okay, well, this is the, the thing. I have two separate dynamics with each of them. So, Elisha, because she was more like a mother figure, she was one that got me into therapy, that oh, said okay. I need to start addressing my feelings, I need to start reading the Bible again, I need to start... Um, reading self-help books and all this stuff and she's the only one that has never tried therapy mind you but she loves to preach about it and she can only go so deep with me right because she'll start she'll i'll say if i say like i get very uncomfortable when you know there's when we're all together and we're if somebody else is uncomfortable, it makes me uncomfortable. If I say something like that to her and she doesn't understand it, she doesn't know how to deal with it. She'll say that. She'll be like, I don't really get that. That's stupid to me because it's like, why do you care? So it, it, it goes so deep with Alicia. Yvonne is her, she has always been like this, the Leo, the lion, like a typical Leo lion. She's like, if it doesn't have anything to do with her personally, she doesn't really care, but she's always there for you. Like if, like, if I called her and I'm like, we really got in a fight, she's like, are right, you want me to come pick you up or you straight? Like, it was just like, <laughs> you could, you good? <laughs> yeah, like, you just need to scream for a little bit and, and then you good? good? Or are you, you need a ride? You need to come get you? Like, so it was 
when I started to become more aware and vocal of um, my emotions, I, especially with my mom, um, my sisters, Yvonne, I didn't really try because we keep it surface with her. Like my, how do I explain this? Elisha's baby, my oldest sister, Elisha, she has one son. Her baby father has three kids. Two of them are younger than his first. Hmm. Oh. Then why is that possible? Because they have been together this whole time. He had two kids on her. So they went through this breakup stage a couple times and they've always been back and forth. So we've never talked about it. Like she didn't talk to us about that. She didn't talk to us about Yvonne. I remember Yvonne said she'll never forget the, the scream that Elisha did when she got the news because the, the other baby mom called her and was like, hey, I have a son and his name is Braylon. And my mind you, my nephew's name is Jalen. And um, yeah, I have a son and it's Jamal's and his son is the same age as my niece. So at this time he was already almost two when she found out about his first kid and she did that scream and, and that was kind of it. And I just, it took a while for her to tell the rest of the family and it was never a conversation, just like the cutting, like it just wasn't a, a conversation. You guys keep everything internal. You guys are like turtles. Yeah, every, everything. Soft on the inside. And Yvonne, you know, baby dad is incarcerated most of the time. And I would actually go with her when I was visiting here from Japan on vacation summertime because it was like an hour away. So I'd ride with her um, and taking up to go see her dad. And, and I felt like that also had a lot to do with us, this tension that we built when I broke up with Willie was because I was like, I felt like I was there for them a lot during their worst times with their baby daddy. But because me and him were actually living together and together for 10 years, they took it almost harder because they had their own built, their, their own personal relationships with Willie. So for, for them, it was a little bit different, but I was, I felt like they were kind of, they felt, especially they should felt bad for Willie because of his back condition. So it was more like, who's going to help him with this? And my mom too. And it was just kind of like, okay, but does nobody care about my emotional well-being right now? Like, I feel like I'm going a little bit crazy. And they started to like, well, you're using that excuse. You're still a mom. You're not allowed to like lose your, you're not allowed to have a bad day, basically. Because oh, they thought you could handle it. Oh, yeah, of course. Because they all the, they all had to you they all the had to handle it and not talk about it because that's how they all dealt with it, right? They all went through different issues with their baby daddy. So or breakups or non breakups. But I looked and I and I told them all and I was like, you know what? I was the first one that actually left. So I really yeah. can't expect you guys to understand. If my niece's father wasn't incarcerated. Yvonne, she would have stayed. And like I said, Elisha's the same as me. She met 
her baby daddy when she was 18, first year of college. And my nephew is now in his second year of college and his, his parents are now slowly getting back together or hanging out again or whatever it is. So she's never fully cut herself off from him. Held him down. I mean, it's, you know, it seems like all he gets girls full of writers in that family. Everybody yeah. are down to the end. Let me let me yeah. ask you a question. And that's where I grew that that feeling came back of like, see, and none of you guys showed me how to be a strong woman. And then resentment came back. Well, as you're 30, right? You said in the beginning of this podcast, 30, you've been liberated. You've, you're more in tune with your emotions. How does it when you date now? What is that like? Do you feel like you've let go of the baggage that you had in the relationship? What's that like? Are you receptive to a man's in your DMs or a man approaching you? What's that like? So the DM things, um, my friends always make a joke because they're like, you wouldn't, you don't even need a Tinder because your your Instagram is a Tinder, and I don't pay attention. I, I didn't. I don't like it at all. Have Dating you has has been very interesting because now I'm actually in a relationship with somebody else and. I thought I had gotten to the point where you would, where I, because I am aware of like all these things, but now we're going through like the trigger point. So it's like mm. not even realizing like if he says something small, like, um, like, no, like, what are you wanting to do? It's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm so used to like catering to what somebody else wants to do. And also just like, if I feel like I'm not, he's not hearing me or didn't, doesn't pay attention or doesn't remember something, it triggers, like, it, I get very, like, okay, fine, and then stop talking, and I'll, I'll notice, like, my automatic reaction should shut down and to just pull back. What is and it, younger man or older man? Older. He's the same, well, same age as me, 30, he's 32, and... He went through similar things. We're very much the same about how we deal with our emotions, which is a good thing and a bad thing because he understands that feeling of like shame and beating yourself up and, and mm. putting everything as self, just like self-blame. But at the same time, he's very good at uplifting me. And, and that's something new. I've never had a man even talk to me the way that he talks to me or some of the things that he says or for a man to tell me that I'm powerful is like so taboo. And um, and to constantly just point that out without any, like me trying to be like, hey, do I, can I do, I, can I do this? Does this look good? Or any validation, like it's just constant reassurance just because. And- Does he have any kids? And he didn't want to date anybody with children. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a pill. That's something. That's big. And that's, that's I was there in Florida too. Without any kids, so you have a child. Hello, in your thirties. I think it's the, it's the Aaron C show today. Okay. Well, yes, because our governor doesn't care, so the Air and Sea show's on today. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm an Air Force kid. I grew up with the Air and Sea show in my backyard, so we're fine. 
So as so we meet this new guy, right? We're 30. 30, we're liberated. We've, we're in tune with our emotions. We can process things. We've left a relationship. And now we're at where we are right now. And what does that feel so like? What, is it scary a little bit? It's very scary. Um, What's your biggest fear right now? No, say that. Um, don't say, don't do that now. What's the what's the biggest fear with dating with a daughter? I like that question better. The timing of and how much exposure they have to that person, right? Because you know, I don't want my child to I don't want her to to bond with somebody that I don't think I could be with forever. Because now we're at the age where we date to you know, hopefully lead to marriage i'm not dating you for a temporary thing well you want to be married so but now i do like when i turned like tw i would say 25 i think was when i was like okay yeah this is i don't want to be i would like to have the same last name as my child too so that was a, a big thing for me but i'm not saying like this is the one i want to marry but i'm only going to date somebody then taken seriously or that I could see myself with and if I think about Amira it's like I, I have a lot of friends that have girls and I and now they're older and I have a lot of friends that have girls that are like 15 16 17 or kid just kids in general and I was talking to one of my friends son the other day and he goes you know um because her, her ex actually just passed. And he was like, you know, the sad part is I never get alone time with my mom unless she's single. Mm. And that's a, the hard, like, balance of, like, I feel bad if I'm taking time away from Amira to spend with somebody else. But at the same time, it's then what do I do? Not date until she's 18 or... You know, like there's no roadmap of how you're supposed to really deal with that. And I think that I'm, as long as I'm, if I stay aware and I stay realistic about, okay, what is this relationship? And kind of try to monetize how much she sees him and how, because also she didn't really see me really a be affectionate because now she's going to be four so now it's like the memories are going to start to stick mm -hmm. so this this the age that she's at i have to i'm mostly scared about her building a bond with somebody and at least she's seeing you treated nice. and feeling right being loved. i'm i'm scared that that's going to make her look at her dad like well what's why can't you do this mm. with me or the day that she asked him to do something and and he's like no and she's like oh well aj does that with me oh no she's that type of girl she would mm -hmm. she, she would her mom, yeah yeah she had a mouth on her but she I'd, she's very she's just very aware of things so i i'm aware of the world yeah i'm i'm scared but I'm happy that I know that I'm being, I'm going to be able to choose somebody that's going to be a, a good example and a good man in her life to show her how to treat a woman and stuff like that, because I'm not going to accept anything less than, and how long have y'all been together? We now it's been since 
June, so it's fresh. Oh, you gotta add them pandemic months, so them pandemic times are about two. Yeah, we I, we met before pandemic, if that helps. But we do say we're a COVID couple. Um, <laughs> the COVID couple, and it's it's sometimes it's it's it's, it's weird and. I think it's just that I don't want her to look at her dad as less than and, or feel like her dad could have done more or wonders why this man does more for her than her own sperm donor. If we're going to be properly correct, politically correct. That's her dad. <laughs> it's, it's, her dad. it's her dad. It's her father. And, and I always say like, I'm never gonna, I have to stop forcing you to do stuff. Like he can call anytime and he can say anytime to get her. She's, I'm not one of those like, I carried her, she's my baby. Like, no, it, take, it takes two. And that's why God made it this way. So it's 50 50. She's equally mine and, and yours. And I, but I had to take that burden of like, I'm gonna make sure you and Amir have a good relationship. Right. That's not my responsibility. So that, that kind of tied in with dating too because it was just like well i don't want her to but it's also good like you said she's seeing her mom getting treated right and stuff like that but at the same time it's like when she starts asking those questions or when she starts having experiences with another man as a father figure or authoritative figure when she starts comparing them as she gets older or how it's going to make her feel how do you feel about dad dating? I want him to. You don't want him to or you want I, him? I want him to. I, you know, you got to think about, you know, it's a long time from being with wifey to finding. These Florida girls are wild, you know what I mean? So you got to think what's, what is the standards now, everything else. So you got to think about that. What is your daughter going to be around? I... Oh, what is she gonna be around? Oh, think oh, about too, right, you know, you know, think about what's his taste like. Yeah, I know. I thought about that, and he, maybe it's eighteen. You and eighteen, you is completely different than thirty. You. I. That's that's a hard one. He. Honestly, yeah, I. I would want him to date because it. I don't. It's not good for him to be alone but I would I a lot of people don't even like his close friends have reached out to me and been like you know what's going on with him and they've said it for years though like we got to get him out the house he needs to come let's go on trips and stuff like that and he's and he's still on that same thing and Impressed. even his friends are like I'd like it hurt them that when we broke up, but they're like, I don't, I don't blame you. Like he kind of, he, he got to, he has to step it up and get his stuff together. And this is his people. Shame on, shame on his friends for saying that publicly. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I was like, stop. I can't do that. They're like, nah, like, I don't, I don't blame you. Like, because they, they would, they would see me like doing stuff. And if you're just, they're playing video games and you got a whole wife over here doing basically construction on the house by herself and running errands and doing all kinds of things. And I'm out with the baby and they don't ever see you. And if we run into each other, it's. 
they pick up on things. And so they were like, you know, they've been trying to encourage him to like get out and, and do stuff like that. But I would love for him to date somebody that actually makes him happy, but I want him to get himself right first so that he can attract something. The right person. Yeah. And if he does, then I don't think he would, he's not going to have anybody around her unless he takes somebody seriously. And um, so I don't think I'm too worried about that. I, we'd had, had a few conversations about like when we start dating or if we take somebody seriously and when Amira gets involved, like it's none of our business if you start dating, but when the baby gets involved, we need to, you know, communicate about that and we've both kind of and I personally I envision him like bumping into him with somebody else and like how would I react and obviously you can't I can't really say like this is how I would react until it happens no. but I I always every time I thought about it even before we broke up I was okay with it I was okay with it and the only thing that I'm more concerned about is like, what kind of, like you said, the, the, the type of people she's going to be around, like if his friends and stuff like that, like they're not all reformed. So, um, <laughs> the, the, you're 30 now. So 30 is a new lease on life. I think this is the best time to talk to a person. Cause I feel like when you're 30, you get to analyze your emotions because now you get to identify the emotions that you're feeling. You get to mm-hmm. identify what you were feeling, how you were feeling and how you're mm-hmm. going to move forward. Exactly. Um, I got these questions for you. This is the Hilltop questions. I don't know if you heard of this. So you can answer this however you want. Okay. Take as much time as you want. doesn't matter. This is your life story. First question is, do you believe in God? Yes. Do you have a favorite person in the Bible? Next question. Okay. Jeremiah. Uh, Why Jeremiah? I was going to say, there's... Something, I don't want to say that's because, oh, really, because of my dad. That might just be only because that's my dad's favorite. And that just happens to be the most, that's so bad. Oh, my gosh, I never thought about that. Bible app is free. <laughs> I'm like, that is so bad. I'm like, why is that my favorite? I'm like, no, that's just, I think I, I connected that with that bonding time with my dad is is hmm, that's a book i need to write that down myself uh do you have a favorite verse no uh when's the last time you had a nightmare wow i i don't I don't, you know what? I think that's a hard question because what I considered a nightmare before, I don't think are really nightmares anymore, but I think sometimes they're signs. So I don't really look at them as like nightmares. Like I don't, I haven't had like, ah, somebody's coming to chase me. Like those kind of dreams. But if I have a bad, I never call them a nightmare anymore. I don't even, I don't think I've used that word in a long time. I, I might say I had a, upsetting dream or something like that that made me think about this but that's a hard one because I feel like what 
people consider nightmares is that's so broad it's your life it's the how i know i'm like i'm like what is i'm like i don't i don't i don't believe that i have nightmares anymore uh what's your biggest fear in life not using my voice mm. in the way that it should be or being misconstrued but really just not using my voice when's the last time you had a panic attack about a week ago a week ago what was that about that was about this about a new relation the new relationship and me having these feelings and um realizing that i i was able to be triggered and i i wasn't as healed as i thought i was or, or what i thought healed should be or i i didn't i lost that strength for a little bit like you did it like you know you actually got out of it and you're still a failure because your family isn't together so it was this this whole like um you really haven't changed you're just better at masking it or now you're just talking about it so you feel like you could change like i i just i will build myself up to turn myself down Ooh, good ddg uh do you believe in soulmates yes care elaborate i believe that it's not just male female female male i think i have a best friend i believe she's my soulmate mm -hmm. and um there's a certain things that we don't even have to talk about and she'll be like, I, and she already knows. And I think that we have multiple layers of soulmates, if that makes sense. Um, I've never, ever, ever felt the way I have about AJ that I, who I met now and him the same, which is, weird because have you seen like hitchcock have you seen that hitchcock <laughs> what is what'd you say <laughs> i'll say hitchcock what is that that's the oh. movie right he's a he's a yeah that one and they and they and they and she she doesn't know her memory so they remind they keep getting reminders of like their yeah. past life yes. when they were together so um that's kind of like uh, how he, um, AJ, one day he put it, because they'll be um, like, we have the same birthmarks on the same spot. And I think it's like, called Hancock, not Hitchcock. Is it Hitchcock? I nope, bet it was Hancock. Hancock? Hancock. Did you Google yeah, it? You Google, you, did you Google it? No, I know it's Hancock because I remember someone used to say, as soon as he got That's the wife, his life ruined, his life ruined and stuff like that. That, like, sounds, that sounds bad, though. That sounds even worse. Like life got better or something like that. The white guy told him to dress him up and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's Hancock. It should have been, been Hitchcock. Hancock it's, sounds less inappropriate. Where he's trying to, like, hook everybody up. You just put, you just added a cock on there. That's what you did. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just throwing cock. Yeah, Hancock, no that's what it was. I was like, Hitchcock. <laughs> I was like, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. I was like, what so, is that? Yeah. They made up a whole name, but you still Hancock. knew a movie I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's was, was close was, enough. Close enough. Yeah. That's like a Myra Amira. 
but um, I think that uh, there's certain there's certain things about me that I've he's, that nobody's ever noticed before. So um, and there's people that have known me my whole entire life and pulls it right out and the way that he looks he was the first man that I felt like looked at was looking at me for my beauty not physically and I didn't feel like an object I didn't feel like because I think especially in Florida exotic red right so it's like it's 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 very like it gets old and some people are like oh you're pretty so it's it's a hard thing to, I don't want to say complain about because people are like, are you really bad about being attractive? But it's like, you don't know anybody's intentions. Like I could, I'm just really looked at as a trophy wife, especially in South Florida. So it's like sugar daddies are hood men. Like they want to, you know, or the white boys that want to test a little color and I'm a good mix. Like you don't look, you don't look black, black, but you look kind of exotic. And you, you know, like I've had a lot of white guys say to me, I usually don't like black girls, but you're hot. And I'm just like, that first part right there, the first section that you just said, that's, mm. that's unnecessary. And he was the first man that kind of, I felt like looked at me and, and said, yeah, of course you're beautiful, but looked at me. And even when he's talking to me, I don't feel like he's thinking about something sexual. I can, I've always been very good at reading people and especially when it comes to men and the types of relationships and experiences I've had with men, I've, um, I'm, I know that I'm hypersensitive to certain actions that men do or certain things that a man, a man may say, but I've never, it's, I've never got that feeling with him. And it was just such a relief to like, not be looked at as like, me every time yeah or just like wow you look so different or i'm like i got there's blazing ig blazing and you, you there you go fantasy fulfilled like it's not <laughs> i'm like it's a trend i got a question and, about being blazing i got a question about what is it like do you feel like your blackness sometimes is questioned being of a mixed race it has been um where did it get questioned? Did it get questioned earlier in life or later in life? Earlier. And when I came, when I first moved here, but I think my parents both, and even my mom, I would ask her, like if we were walking out face, and a lot of people were staring, because when I was younger, it wasn't as, it wasn't normal for Japanese to have a little black girl walk yeah, around. Yeah, out there. Yeah. yeah what, the, what the heck? So they would just, of course, be staring. And um, she would always say, because you're a beautiful little black girl. You're a beautiful black girl. Like, she would always make sure, like, my, my mom and dad were very um, smart and, I think, the way that they raised us in our culture. Because my mom always said, your culture is Japanese and you're, and then your culture, you're black too. You guys have your own culture. Your dad is South Carolina and we're Geechee and they're from Ravenel. So it's, they were both very much like my dad, because we were so far removed, made sure we knew our roots, where we came from, what that granddaddy did, what my dad had to do, what his lifestyle was like. And um, so if somebody ever told question like, well, you're, you're a light skater, you mix, so you don't even know what it's like. And I'm, I would say to them, 
I'd be a house nigga maybe, but I'd still be a slave. Might be a little closer to the house, but I'd still be a slave, and that might be worse because what do you, what do the lights like? So I would not when I was younger. Like my, my answers would be very like you know. At first I'd be like, well that's worse because then I'd probably be the one having the slave master's babies. Like like I would I would give it back, but I'd be now I'd be like, okay, my dad's just as black as yours. Mm-hmm. So that you can't take my blackness away. You can't take my Asian away because I'm grandma's like you're not Japanese you're Okinawan and I'm just we've all, all me and my sisters have never had that complex of like we're not black enough or we're not Asian enough or we're not whatever like no I'm a we've always identified as black women right. that just have a Japanese culture and my mom and dad were always very open about the fact that you guys are mixed yes but the world is going to see you as you guys are black and that's not a bad thing. Like you guys are beautiful black women. So we've never really identified as just like people are like, do you check the other box? And I'm like, black. I do that. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, yeah, always, every time. And I just happen to speak Japanese and I have a culture. So I always, I never really looked at it like that. I, I always just think that I have, I'm like, I'm open-minded. Do you find other Asian? Do you ever find out? There's a lot of black and Japanese people that we grew up with. Did you ever like find yourself gravitating towards them? Like, do you remember Rena? I I didn't even I forgot that she. Oh was. yeah, but me and her, um, we grew up to we grew up together. Like me and her have pictures. We're we're in like we're like three, four, five, six. Like we grew up together. My my dad was um, her dad's boss, and our parents still talk. Me and Rena still keep in contact. Um, and that's like Yudi, or like, you know, we used to, I don't know if you know who Yudi is. She I remember just all these black and Japanese people. I'm like, man, where do they come from? It's like, yeah, oh, they used to call them war babies when I remember, like they used to say that they used to call them war babies. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. That's what be all these Japanese. That's what, that's what, that's <laughs> it's, what true. it's true though. Someone told me that's what, that's how FUBU got to Japan. All the black dudes when they came over. <laughs> In no. truth, you know, out of all Asian women, Japanese women are the, the ones that go over to black men the fastest. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why black and people love anime so much? It's in... <laughs> it's meant to be. The Saru. I didn't even the Saru, that. Is, Saru didn't even what the Saru is, yeah. Saru is a what? big ape, right? It's the big ape. That's what they used to call. So when I, when I was in Japan, I went to this shrine room, and I was like... <gasps> I was like, why are all these sa-? the guys kept saying like the Saru's a protector? You're like, why are they got monkeys? And I was like, That's Goku. And I was like, they've been calling throughout our history. They call black people two different things. They either call us niggas or monkeys. And I was like, what if Japanese people have spent their whole life trying to be a super saiyan and say, you know, instead of me waiting for the sun to illuminate, why don't I just move to Florida? Because it's a whole bunch of niggas. I mean, mon- <laughs> <laughs> and true story, true story. My uncle told me when he was in the service that the the white soldiers would tell all the Asian women that black people turn into monkeys at night. And he said, like, she would get out of the bed and they would look at, like, 12 o'clock in the morning, like, what happens? Like, I heard you guys turn into monkeys. And he used to tell him, he goes, yeah, but the tail isn't in the back of the body. <laughs> that thing in the front, girl. You're, no, they just hate. 
But that's what they told yeah. him. That's what he said. He's like, when they wow. came, they came like war. He said, like, all the black dudes, like these big giant afros and stuff. And they were the first ones that integrated the sexual revolution because nobody saw black people. They were only in these different countries. And they all just moved out to, like, Japan. They started living there. Yes. And now these kids, Europe and stuff like that. That's what they call them, war babies. That is actually very interesting and not the first time I heard it. And we would go, when me and my mom would go deep into Japan, like deep into the countryside, when I was little, it, the reaction to, and that's why I would always, I started asking her because the reaction to the Japanese people that lived around the base, if you went far out in the country, there was Japanese people when I was little that had never seen a black person in person. And so it was just like, it was almost like an amazing, like, but it was never, because people ask me all the time, like, experiencing racism, like, on, you know, in the States and in Japan. And I'm like, it's very different because Japanese culture is, is very much about respect out on the outside, right? So you don't, nobody ever said anything to me if they ever thought it, or they weren't like, you know, looking like this, but it's, it's, funny because even if I say like to older people they're like, oh where are you from because down here you know they think I'm a yad girl everybody thinks I'm from Jamaica and I'm only Jamaican Chinese because that's the only time that Asians and blacks come together this is Caribbeans right. um and they're like oh your dad's in the military and sometimes I'll be like no they'll be like really just to throw him off no he was in the military what I'm like no he was but it's just, it's just, it, it's funny because it's like, it, that's the only way that you could be mixed is with black and Asian is if your dad or which parent, which parent's a loser. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what the stigma was. Mm-hmm. And still is. I still get it now. I still see it too. Um, this is the last one. Now, this is, a, this is a question, a series of questions. So when I was like, I think I hit you up a year, well, I was like a couple months ago, I started mm-hmm. noticing like, you know, I'm always just, just around. I was like, man, she's posting all this liberating stuff. I wonder what's going on. Because you start talking mm-hmm. about self-love. You start talking about being in tune with yourself. And then we're sitting there talking. I was like, man, I wonder what, I wonder what, Alan. So I hit you up to do the podcast. And this part of the podcast is called Who Are You, right? I want to ask the same question. And you can answer it different times. The whole goal is to go beyond yourself. Because what you are at 18 is completely different than what you are at 30, right? Right. So the question is, who are you? Like, if you ask me, who are you? I would say Jared Waters, who are you? Uh, stand-up comic, who are you? Writer, who are you? Two-time wrestling champ, who are you? Lover. The whole goal is to go beyond what Ellen is to everyone else. How you mm. identify yourself. You ready? Yes. Don't think about it. If you think about it, you'll mess up. The whole mm-hmm. goal is just what's off the tip of the tongue. You ready? Here we go. Who okay. are you? Overachiever. Who are you? A lover. Who are you? Selfless. Who are you? Drain. Who are you? A burden. Who are you? I'm talented. Who are Photographer. you? Photographer. Who are you? I'm a mother. Who are you? I am somebody's still figuring it out. And let me ask you this question. Two more questions. If your daughter had your life story, what would be the advice you gave her? 
living your truth. Same life story as you. What would you tell her if she asked for some advice? If it feels right for you, then don't worry about what anybody else says. You just got to go for it. And this is my final question. When it's all said and done, they write the, the Ellen story, right? And they write the Ellen story. And someone takes your book and passes it on to your grandkids. What would you want them to say about you when it's all said and done? She was what? She was strong. She made it. She was honest. And she was vulnerable. I, my whole thing now is to just be realistic about how I'm feeling instead of um, masking it with something else because I know that it always comes out in a different way and could affect anything from my parenting to my career and if I'm not honest with myself or whoever I'm dealing with at the time but not allowing me to feel that feeling of whatever it is, shame or um, disappointment or failure, I have to be honest with myself that that's how I feel. And, and then be able to say, like, it's okay to be not okay. It's okay that you feel like a failure, but you're not a failure. And sometimes I just sit in the middle of my apartment and I'm like, you have your own apartment. And some people can't even get a car. I see people at the bus stop that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, we don't, I don't know their life story, but it's like I have to, you know, remember what I have and the things that I've done for myself. I have to remind myself all the time, like, but you're doing it. And you woke up today and count your blessings. Just exactly, just continue to. I can't stress about things that God's already got figured out for me. So I, why, why am I, why am I doing that? You know? So I just have to believe in myself that I can do it because just like with photography, a lot of times I didn't want to share a lot of my stuff. And I show like AJ and he's like, why don't you post these? When these, how come these never got posted? And I'm like, I don't know. So it's just believing in myself. I'm like, God gave me this talent for a reason. I need to share it. I need, to, I need to start putting it out there in the world. So this is a part of me, and it's also a way to express myself. So this owning it, just living in you, if, if it feels good in my gut, which I believe, like your gut, that's the Holy Spirit. So if I don't feel it, then I, I won't do it. And now it, it gives me, a, I can, I know the difference between satisfaction and joy and just doing it because I have to, or because I feel like that's my role. So... I would want to be the one that broke a generational curse of staying in your role and sticking to the script, you know, so to speak, that's been written for you by your parents or by what everybody else's standards of what you should be. It's what makes you happy and I think a lot of people get lost in, well, I, would, I just want to be happy. And they think that you're going to be happy every single day, every hour. Like, it's just, it's unrealistic. And I had to get this unrealistic thing of, it's not about that. It's about true happiness is you, you do things constantly that you enjoy or that you love or people you spend time with. And then there's rough 
patches here and there that are lessons that you just accept and you feel it and you gotta let it go because if you have one foot in the past one in the future you're pissing on today in the present moment so you have to you i have to stay present like i don't want to i have to remind myself like okay well that was yesterday and tomorrow's tomorrow so but let's let's focus on now what can i do right now that's not going to continue to make me feel this way or what can i do right now that's not going to make me do the same thing tomorrow so i try to think ahead but stay present at the same time mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. i think the title of this podcast is called stay present Mm. I like that. I like I love that. Full circle. We came full circle, and then I was like, "Yeah." It comes to me. I was like, "Stay present." That seems like the theme about this: staying present at all times. Mm-hmm. Well, madam, I truly appreciate this. This was uplifting and liberating. I really think a lot of women that are going through what you're going through are probably being raised like this. That probably never said think will be inspired. We got a lot of people that hit us up and ask for like more strong women, and I was like, "Hey, I know a whole bunch." And I, think, oh, I really appreciate that. No, I thank you for doing this. Uh, give everyone my love. Shout out to your daughter. Shout out to everyone else. Uh, how can the people find you if people want to find you? At Ellen Chanel is my Instagram name. L-N-C-H-I-N-E-L. Or L Chanel Photography is where a lot of my photos are, of course. Make sure we talk. We got package deals, so don't don't try to hit her up for free photos. It's all. (laughs) Let's let's be honest. Yeah, no, we're past the we're past the um, building portfolio. Yeah, Yeah. we're 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 past that. Hey, you need this for? No, I don't. (laughs) My portfolio is built. I need you to pay your deposit, please, and thank you. And that's it. But I really appreciate it, and and it was a very uplifting that you even asked because. Same like you, I, I noticed like even with you and your lady, like I love I love seeing your guys' posts and and I, I always go back, look at, I get flashbacks from high school sometimes I'm, and then I look at uh, like some of us now and I'm just like, wow, like I can't believe some of us, we, some of us, we made it, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we got it right, like yes, but you know, the ones that just stuck to their moral moral values and and you're you've always been funny so i'm now you can you literally made a career out of it yeah it's uh i think i, I think when my lady talked about all the time i was like these people that i run into she goes like it's like a bond that you guys have i was like it doesn't matter even if we haven't seen each other for a while or whatever i was like i'm always cheering for those people that i've met on that far east on that far yeah. east, no matter what it is if i can share exactly. something or if i can listen to their stories because i know you guys got stories you guys have lived a life that no one's ever lived before right and that what makes everybody interested. I know it's 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 really amazing to see. I really appreciate it, and it was really like a it was a humbling thing for you to even ask me it's that I was even you know you on the list. You, you get on it. the list. Look at you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you and AJ, if y'all in New York City, and if you guys I'll be there, Harlem, let me know. I'll let you know when I go to Miami. Freak, I don't know. I was gonna say I don't know if you. you I go to Tampa usually, but I I've been invited to Miami a couple times to do the improv, but usually it's never uh, my time when I do it. They like doing it during Christmas, and I don't really like. Oh, uh, we don't travel during the holidays. No one really goes out on the holidays. But Tampa, I, though, if you go to Tampa, let me know because I I'm in Tampa's four hours. I got shows in Tampa Friday, 
Let me look at my calendar. I'm like, yeah, I'll come support one. Shows I'm always Tampa, Friday the 27th, 8 and 10 o'clock. Shows in Tampa the 28th, 6, 8, and 10. And then I have a show Sunday in Tampa on the 29th. If you want me to know, let me know. I'll get Paris. Ooh. Paris, he always comes out. I'll go. I'll okay. wait Paris up. And RJ, I can get all of them. only person I can't get is Jonica because she just had a baby. I was going to say she, oh, yeah, I was gonna say she just had a baby. Book. Paris is always down. Every time I hit him up, he's down to ride. Like I haven't, he doesn't have social media, right? He does. It's called Max. I'll, I'll send it to you, Max. I'm like, send. I'm like, he hiding from the Yakota people. He's one of those that has like three Yakota people. Nah, nah. He just he's old. You know, he's young, but he's old. So every time I see him, I'll post him and stuff like that. But he don't live too far away from me, and he always comes to the comedy shows. Always comes. No, that would be nice because nobody ever. I feel like not too many people come past, or they go to straight to Miami, and I'm like, yeah, we ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nope, I already live close enough to Miami. I'm not going to the tip. That's that's a different world. That's that's little Haiti and Cuba down there. It's, it's Shout out to the Zopal. <laughs> they they is it. But I really appreciate it. I would love to come to a show and I think I actually might be coming down that weekend anyway. Since Kendall just moved down there. Oh yeah, I thought oh yeah, I thought you were coming to Tampa this week. I know I was supposed to come this week. And let me know my car. God bless your car. Let me yes. know. I'll be down there. I'll be down there. Let me know if you on that side of you on that side of that um I four because I'll I be. Will. On that All right, madam. Peace. I will let you know for sure. Many blessings. Love you. Have a oh, wonderful oh. Saturday. Love you. Thank you for this, and yeah. you as well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Jenny. Yes, ma'am. All right, folks, that was episode 96, part one and part two of Letters to the Soul with our dear friend Ellen Ravenel. And we'd like to thank her for being so open and so being so honest of sharing her life story with us. Uh, she didn't think it was going to be a good episode, but it's good, man. It's good. You can never, your life story cannot be good. You know, that's your life. You know, you're the master of your own destiny and you're the author of your own fate. So we'd like to appreciate her for doing that. A lot of people have emailed us about her, and feel free to email her, and feel free to hit her up on Instagram. Uh, she's an open book. Well, I don't know if she's an open book, but uh, I know her Instagram is open. So hit her up, and if you're in the area of Miami and you'd like some photography, uh, please hit her up as well. Uh, it's not going to be cheap, ladies and gentlemen. She's one of the top photographers in the Miami area, so make sure you please pay accordingly. And, uh, yeah, this is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Uh, this podcast is a, an, uh, a podcast about being alone with your own thoughts. And it's a time capsule of a person, right? So imagine 40 years from now when Ellen's, like, 70, and she has her grandkids or maybe her great-great-grandkids, and they're talking to her, their grandmother. And he's like, man, I wonder what she was like. You can pop this in, like, wow, my grandmother was feeling this. Wow, look how she embraced that episode. Or imagine when we do this episode again in 10 more years in Ellen's 40s. So you can see what she felt like in her 40s or her 50s, you know. But, uh, yeah, this is the podcast. Uh, hit us up if you have any questions or any comments. Uh, like and subscribe. My name is Jared Waters. Peace and many blessings. That man, G-double-O to the D-I-E. Take us off with his theme song. Hey, you're live on the podcast. One man, one tree in a hill. Say what up to the people. This is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, I, said, I just want to say, man, you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said...
I said, uh-uh, and I'll be the next Jamar Neighbors. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.